for just a little while, Lord being our helper in Revelations chapter 5, if you would please stand this morning, uh, if, you ha- if you can, uh, Revelations chapter 5, starting with verse 1, Revelation 5 verse 1, the Word of God says this, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, and thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and blood, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we... Thank you for this inspired scripture, Lord Father, for us to read this morning. Lord, I pray uh, that you would help us this morning preach it. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these unclean lips. Uh, I I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to bless this church as you watch over it, Lord. uh, Help us to walk closer to you, Lord. We'll uh, continue to be dedicated uh, to being a Christian walk, Lord, to represent you out into this great world, Lord. I I pray, Lord, that we can be that light to a lost and dying world up on a hillside uh, that the lost can see it, Lord, have a place they can come to and have rescue, Lord. I, I I pray that you'll watch over this service, Lord. I pray that your spirit will have its way and will in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now, we, we want to take some time, uh, uh, like I said, with, with this scripture. There's a lot in uh, Revelations 5, 1 through 10, and we're not going to touch uh, uh, every bit that's in Revelations 5, uh, even all the way through 14, uh, we don't have time this morning uh, to touch on every little bit uh, of what it says in the book of Revelation chapter 5. But uh, to sort of understand where we are, or just to help you catch uh, uh, what's going on in Revelations 4 leading up to this, uh, it says that John is caught up and he's brought uh, pretty much what it describes in chapter 4 is the throne of God. And it, it describes some beautiful things. I, I don't. I can't hardly fathom exactly what John saw when he was caught up uh, and he was taken to the throne of God. Uh, and he saw all these wonderful things. If you read chapter 4, uh, I don't want to get into detail some of the things that he saw, but uh, some of the sea of glass like under crystal uh, and some of the just beautiful things that he saw. He saw uh, God sitting up on the throne. We saw, uh, he sees a lot of things 
going on. He sees the, the beasts uh, that are there. He has different faces and different uh, significance of those beasts. But uh, we get there in the throne room of God and the presence of God and the glory and beauty of God. And, and we follow that up in chapter 5 uh, that we see, and I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, uh, to help you understand a book, uh, now it's not a physical book like this. Uh, it was most likely a scroll that he saw in the hand of him that sat up on the throne. Uh, uh, most of you understand what a scroll is. A scroll is a rolled up long piece of paper. Now to have seven seals placed upon a scroll, uh, it wasn't seven seals on the outside of it. Uh, it was one seal on the outside and as you open that scroll up, uh, you would have another seal to stop you. And you would have to break that seal and keep going and you would find another seal. So uh, there were seven seals uh, on this book, really a scroll that you can see and it was written on the back side and it was sealed with the seven seals it was written within and on the back side now to help you understand that uh, this scroll was written on the front side of the paper and it was written on the back side of the paper uh, not real common but it happened a lot of times uh, what that's trying to tell you is is that it was completely filled up uh, from the front to the back with writing to help you understand that is that it was complete it had nothing else to add to it. It was not going to take anything away from it. It was completely filled all the way to the end. Now we see in verses 1 through 4, as we pick up and see, they see the, the book written within on the back side, sealed with seven seals. In 2, 3, and 4 it says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? It says in verse 3, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now this book here, uh, this scroll, uh, so to speak, uh, uh, has something so powerful, uh, uh, something so uh, mighty about it, that nobody under earth, nobody dead, uh, nobody on the earth, nobody alive, uh, nobody in heaven, nobody in their period was worthy to look at it, was worthy to open it, and there was nobody worthy to even read it. And there was nobody that could really even totally touch this thing, but God the Father, He was the one holding it. Now we have to think a little bit about there was a problem, and there was a commotion going on. And it says in verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. There was a man your problem, and the problem was they had nobody there that could open this scroll. Now, if there was something there, there's something so powerful, something so mighty, or something that is complete all the way through and nobody was worthy to open it. Now, what was inside this book? If you read, uh, if I'm not going to cover it because I done told you uh, there's so much to preach on this. Uh, I could preach to two or three or maybe even tomorrow on what all goes on in these chapters. Uh, uh, but once, once the book is open and we see what's within it, uh, we understand the power that's inside. Uh, there's four horsemen that come out of this book. Uh, there's plagues. Uh, there's horribleness. Uh, there's a third of the seas turning into the blood. There's a third of the world dying. There's horribleness that comes out of this thing. But it completes. And when this thing is opened, it begins the end of the world. That's what this book is. It signifies the completion of what God has created. It signifies the ending 
of everything that God has instituted as far as the earth is considered. Inside this thing is all the future events. It begins the very ending of the world. So many people uh, try to stand back with uh, normal things going on in the world, uh, volcanoes erupting, uh, uh, people dying of starvation in different countries, uh, and they try to point back so many times uh, to chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, and they try to find reasoning within the Scriptures to say that we are in the beginning of the end of time. They do. You know, I don't blame them. They're trying to find a reason of why things happen. And we don't really know the reason that a lot of things happen. You probably won't hear me say many times, well, uh, it's the we're beginning of the end of the world. I don't know those things. I'm not worthy to think of them. I'm not worthy to form an opinion of the end of time. There's only one that is worthy. There's only one, one in the world that knows the things that's going to happen and when they're going to happen. And that's the one that's worthy to open the book. It says, I wept much because no man was found worthy. My goodness, I, I can't imagine the sadness of not being able to know, having a book there with all that power and all the things that's within it, and nobody can open it. We should depend upon Jesus. And we look here in verse 5, and one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, to help you understand what that says, one of the elders comes to him and says there's no reason in crying. Somebody is here that's going to be able to open that book. There's somebody here that he describes uh, clearly as being uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And, and we also understand that it says the root of David. Now to help us uh, think of that, we know uh, that Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We know that Jesus Christ is the root of David. Isaiah 11, 1 through 2 tells us that a root shall a rod shall come out of the stem of Jesse. Uh, so to help everybody uh, understand that this morning, what he's trying to say is that Jesus Christ uh, is the one that's going to prevail but he calls him the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now last week, the reason I got on this is because of last week's message. We preached on the roaring of the lion. We, we, we looked at how a lion roared and why a lion roared. We looked at the scriptures. He's like a roaring lion, a seeking whom he may devour. And I talked a lot about the, the roaring of a lion. I want you to think about what it says here. It does not say that a roaring lion of the tribe of Judah is the one that will prevail. It says that the lion will. It's not, not one that's like one. Last week we preached of, uh, of what Satan tries to pretend that he is. He tries to pretend that he's bigger uh, than he really is. He tries to roar and scare you and try to think that you're defeated. He tries to make you think uh, uh, that he's bigger than he really is. Uh, he tries to look for a fight. Uh, but it says that he's as a roaring lion, uh, seeking whom he may devour. I'm glad that Satan has no control over what he's going to get for a meal that night as a roaring lion. It's whoever just falls down to him. It's whoever makes mistakes. I'm glad that Jesus Christ is not as a roaring lion, but Jesus Christ is the lion. Jesus Christ is the lion of Judah. Now the lion of Judah uh, helps you to really understand something today. Now a lion is the king of the jungle. 
Uh, we preached that last week with Satan thinking that he's the, the king of this old world, which he sort of is. He's the prince of this world. Uh, but I'm glad to know that even though he's the king, the prince of this world, uh, there is a king of kings that is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has defeated it all. It says, do not weep. There's one here that can open the scrolls. Behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Now when I read that, what would you expect? If I'm told the line of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the seals thereof, I would be looking for what? I'd be looking for a lion. I'd be looking for something strong. I would be looking for something covered in muscles, ripped up with a mighty mane and a loud roar. When we think of a lion, that's the things that we think of. We think of something powerful, something scary, uh, something that can take its will and do whatever it wants. We, we understand if a lion came in here, guess what? We probably ain't got no hope. He'll kill whoever he wants to kill. But he's called the Lion of Judah to come to loose the seals. When nothing in the world could open these seals, we expect an almighty God to reach down. A large, muscular line of the tribe of Judah. We do. When nothing is going right, we think of an all-powerful God that can reach down like that big, strong line with a great roar, symbolism of power, and we expect God to reach down and defeat Satan. That's what we think. Don't we? We think that if we pray strong enough that God's just going to show up, bust up anything going on in our life and defeat it. That's what we think. We think of God, and God is. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. Uh, praise God, He has defeated everything already for us. I'm glad He defeats everything for us uh, on a weekly, daily basis. Uh, if we pray and seek Him, He'll help us go through those things. And He's told that the line of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. Uh, uh, praise the Lord uh, uh, that all-powerful King of Kings uh, has opened the book. Now verse 6 is not leading up to what I'm expecting to see. And I behold and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders. What does it say stood there? It says stood a lamb. That doesn't make any sense. Worldly, as I am, I'm fleshly. I read that the line of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. A strong, powerful creature has opened these seals. But there instead is a, is a lamb. Stood a lamb. And not just a regular lamb. It says a lamb as it had been slain. It's not just a regular lamb that's been there standing there. It's a lamb that looks like it's been killed. But he's standing. A lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world. Understand something today. We think a lot about a strong, powerful God. We do. I think of Him. I think as a being just an almighty presence. Jesus Christ coming and being born as a baby to defeat the world does not make sense to us. Does that make sense to anybody here? He sent a baby to save us from our sins. He sent a man in the flesh to go to a cross and be crucified and die. And to die. So many of the Jews and so many of the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, uh, so many of them were looking for a king that would come and be lifted up on a throne. 
So many of them were looking for somebody that would start a military and throw over the Roman government. Uh, so many of them were looking for somebody that was strong, a great speaker, uh, uh, somebody that could rally the troops, uh, uh, somebody that could take a stronghold. That's what we're looking for today. You're looking for somebody to fix all your problems. We're looking for somebody to answer those prayers. If you're like me, you want the prayers answered yesterday. Uh, you want those prayers answered now. You want an almighty God that formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life uh, and then all these wonderful things uh, there at the beginning of creation and forming uh, full-grown trees. Uh, he formed a full-grown man from dirt, uh, uh, something I can't fathom, but he did it. An all-powerful God. We have a wrong image so many times of what God truly is of what Jesus truly was, of what He came and He died for. So many of us, after a time that we've been saved, we, we, we become a, a hard shell. We become blind to the saving truth that is the Lamb of God. He was standing there as He had been slain. Now the world does not see strength in a Lamb. Understand that. The world and I... Do not see strength in a lamb. A lamb is something that is passive. A lamb is something that is weak. But it shows here that it was worthy to open the seals thereof. Now it doesn't happen in this chapter. It happens in the next chapter. But it already tells you that that's the one that's worthy. There is one out of everybody that's ever lived, anybody that's ever spoke anything, anybody that's ever existed. There's no Moses, there's no Abraham opening up these scrolls. Uh, uh, there's no anybody else. There's no Adam, there's no Enoch, there's no anybody. Elijah, he may have been taken up in a whirlwind of fire, but guess what? He's not worthy to open up this book. He's not worthy to show the completeness of God. He's not worthy. And you are not worthy to step in and understand these things. It shows us that there's a lamb. It shows us and helps us understand that we do not see strength in a lamb. But I'm glad that God's weakness is stronger than men's strength. I'm glad that the basic knowledge of the world and how it functions would not lead you to believe a lamb is stronger than a lion. Okay? We did not understand that. We cannot fathom that a symbolic nature of a lamb means more to us than a lion does. Now... A lamb won the battle. We understand that he went just as a lamb goes to slaughter. They took him in. They killed him. He didn't hardly rebuttal anything. He was put upon a cross. Uh, he gave up the spirit after so much time. Uh, we understand he died on that cross. We understand he gave up his spirit on that cross for you and for me. The lamb of God is what saved you today. The lamb of God is what, what brings you on your spirit, what has washed away your sins. In verses 7 through 9, hey, I won't read them again. It, is, it shows us the excitement. It shows us the people and how this sacrifice has uh, is, is saved us from all kingdoms. It has saved all nations in verse 9. He, this lamb here has died and was sacrificed that all may be saved and that all people, uh, praise the Lord, uh, can accept Him. That's the lamb that was standing here in this presence. I'm glad He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but the lion is not what saved me. The lamb that laid down His life for me. 
is what saved me. I'm glad that Jesus Christ's blood, uh, flowing as a lamb, flowing as a sacrifice, uh, flowing and helping us understand that strength is in weakness. Can y'all can y'all agree with me today? You may feel weak. You may feel put down. You may feel like the whole world's stopping you down. You may feel like everything in the world's going against you. But I'm glad that in, in weakness we can find strength. Strength that defeated all sin was within that lamb. Now that's something that a lot of the world can't understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. And then he finishes up that verse with one of my, my favorite little small pieces of Scripture. It says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When you are feeling weak, when you are feeling defeated, when you are feeling that nothing else in this world can help you, you feel completely dismayed, we feel perplexed, as the Bible says, we're just completely consumed with our problems, consumed with all the ideologies that we have to face day to day. You may have a tough boss at work, you may have a tough family you go home with, we may face all kinds of things in this world. But I'm glad, for when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, when we're weak, we look for something to help us, don't we? I see so many young people today, and I don't know why, but so many young people are hyped up on these energy drinks. And I, I, I don't understand. Hey, some of y'all are giggling, yeah, I'm guilty. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm 32, I'm not that old yet, but I'm not that young either. But I, I haven't had any need to take up an energy drink. I don't have that much I've got to get done. Even on my busy days, I, I can pretty much handle it just normal as that, okay? I can go uh, around my life and not have to take a, a monster or a, or a Red Bull or whatever and get my energy. And we look for those things because we're weak. We feel weak. We think that popping some sort of a, a pill that ramps us up. Now, I, I used to take caffeine pills when I was in college to get me ramped up and get me going. But I didn't need those things. They didn't really affect me any. They didn't help me any. They help us understand something today. We don't need the things of this world to give us strength. We look for something to give us strength when we feel weak. We do. The first thing we do is we stop at the gas station. Oh, I'm guilty. My wife gets on to me so many times. If we stop to get gas, I'm going to come out with something to drink and probably a candy bar. And she knows it. And she'll warn me. I'll get out of the car. The only thing I'm doing is pumping gas. I'll even prepay at the pump, and which the whole purpose of that is to not have to go into the store. But I'll prepay and pump it, and I'll leave it pump and go inside while it's pumping. Why? I need a little pick-me-up. I need something to keep me going. I, I need a little something to, to wake me up some. We're seeking something when we're weak. We're seeking something when we're tired. We're seeking something to lift us up to make us feel better. You know, those candy bars only last about 30 minutes to an hour, and I'm not hungry or feeling bad again. You get that sugar crash. Most of us understand what I'm trying to say. We look for something to pick us up. We look for something that make us feel better. You know, the line of the tribe of Judah, 
is more powerful than anything we'll face in this world. Period. The line of the tribe of Judah is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And His Holy Spirit, the Comforter that He sent with us, if you're a Christian today and you've accepted Christ, He's with you. We need no other pick-me-up in this world. I don't care what you're taking, what you're drinking, uh, what you take to, to make yourself feel better in the day. When you feel weak, when you feel defeated, I'm glad the Bible says when I am weak, then I am I strong. We look for something to help us when we're weak. The place to look is Jesus Christ. The place for the church to look if the church is tired, if the church feels like Nothing is going your way. If you as a Christian, if you as a lost person, you feel like nothing ever goes your way. You're feeling weak. I'm glad that weakness will make you search for something. It's time to quit searching for the energy drinks. It's time to quit searching for, for relationships. It's time to quit searching for, for this and that and, and the new fad, a, a new clothing. None of those things will make you feel very good very long. They wear off. Clothes wear out. Candy bars get digested. You know, all these things that we try to use, they don't last. When I am weak, I am strong. Can we ask you this morning, if you feel weak, if you feel dismayed, if you feel like you've been run over, if you feel like you just got to stop somewhere and get you something today because you just feel so tired, you feel like you can't beat the world, you feel like you just you can't keep going on. I'm glad that it shows us that in weakness is strength. For when I am weak, am I strong? For when I am run down, I can find strength in Jesus. You can look all the different places you want to look. And I've looked a lot of different places to try to find strength, to try to find something to lift me up. I've tried to talk to friends. I've tried to talk to family. I've tried to talk uh, uh, to different people. I've tried to talk to my wife. None of those things have ever truly gave me the answers I needed. Each time that I truly needed help, I had to turn to God. Each and every question that I've ever had, I've had to turn to God. God, do I need to do this? God, do I need to do that? There was no sense in asking my friend. Uh, he would just give me the advice he wanted to give. There's no reason in asking my wife uh, because she would give me the advice she wanted to have. Uh, today, we have to ask the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the supreme sacrifice, so that we can get the right answer. So that we can get the answer that we need to have in Weakness, I am strong. Do you feel weak? Do you feel defeated? So many times I have. I'll tell you, church, I, I, I found out this week I'm a diabetic. And when I walked in, that nurse looked at me. She said, you looking for results? And I said, yeah. And I told her my name. She pulled it up. She looked at it. She said, how long have you been a diabetic? I said, I'm not one. She said, you are now. I said, okay. That was hard. It's hard to swallow. That was hard to know that the rest of my life I'll have a condition that I'll have to, that I'll have to deal with. Some of us don't have that. Some of us have problems. Some of us have things you have to face day in and day out. I don't have to find some energy drink. I don't have to find drugs to, to drown out all that stuff. I don't have to drink alcohol and get drunk and, and try to drown out those problems. I have to turn to the Savior. Because when I'm weak, He is strong. For when I am weak, he can make me strong. For when I am weak, do you feel weak? Do you feel lost?
Do you feel like you cannot solve any problems on your own? Well, you're right. You're right. You can't solve any problems on. Do you feel weak? Well, yes. We're weak because we're humans. We, we go through times and trials through our life. Do you feel so overexerted with so much on your shoulders? I'm glad that he says, bring to me all your iniquities and cast your cares upon me. I'm glad that he told us to do that. As they get a verse of some song ready this morning, I want you to think about how much God loves you. How much God has, has laid down His life for you. How He has been the sacrificial lamb. Not the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not the lion that reaches down and beats everything in your path. Boy, I would, boy, how, how wonderful would it be to just pray, uh, Lord, take away the power bill this month, and He'll just come down and slap your power bill away. That's not how He works. Lord, uh, I'm sick and I need you to take care of it. Boom! You feel better. Now, I know He can do that. He ain't done it in my life yet. He may have done it the next day. I'm glad He answers our prayers. He loves us. But He's a sacrificial Lamb of God. He's the one that came to forgive you of all your sins. Came to make us kings and priests as that piece of Scripture tells us. I believe in verse uh, 7 or 8 if you read that. He came and He gave us a holiness. Gave us a, a priestly setup. I'm glad that I'm no better than anybody in this church. I may be standing before you preaching this morning, but there's no difference between what I got and what you got if you're saved. You say, Zach, I, I want to have some of this. I want to have some of this strength. I've been weak. I have been burdened. And I can find nothing else. I can meet you in an altar this morning. I can meet you in an altar. I can meet you at the back doors. I can meet you outside the church. I can pray with you. But I'm glad my, pray th my prayer ain't going ain't to help you. I'm glad that you've got to pray today. You've got to accept Jesus Christ into your life. You've got to say, Lord, I know that I have no strength Lord, I know that I cannot overcome the things that I have to face. Lord, I, I know that each and every day I'm burdened down. But Lord, I'm going to trust in You today. Lord, I'm going to trust in You. I'm going to call upon Your name. I'm going to believe in You. I'm going to turn. I'm going to repent of my wicked ways, Lord. I want You to come into my life and save me. Have you ever made that prayer today? Have you ever prayed to God and said, Lord, I, I have no strength left. There's nothing I can do, Lord. Help me. As we stand and sing, what page you got?